You are listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast, brought to you by Bobby Hayeri and Darren Venter, founders of the Investors Agency and Debar. With over 20 years' experience in real estate between them and having bought hundreds, if not thousands, of properties around the country, you are in the right place to learn all things property. This podcast is designed to educate and empower everyday Aussies to take control of their future through property. Hey guys, and welcome to episode nine of the Lazy Equity Podcast. On this episode, I'm super excited to have a very special guest on the show. He's a father, he's a family man, he's the founding director of the best accounting practice that we have worked with. He's in training for his first amateur MMA fight and has previously represented Lebanon in the Rugby League World Cup. Danny Chia, welcome to the show, mate. <laughs> what an intro, mate. <laughs> what a superstar. <laughs> I, uh, I did a lot of stalking, <laughs> stalking today to find all that out. That's so good. <laughs> how was, um, how was, and I want to touch on a few things there. What's sort of made you get into the MMA fighting? <laughs> Funny, I actually, one of my mates said, sent me a thing today and I replied back with, I sent him a photo back of me looking fat in May. <laughs> I just put on too much weight and I needed an excuse to lose it. And um, it's a pretty extreme excuse, but it's get up at, they've got training 5am every day for 20 weeks straight. So it's, you know, having to wow. get in a ring and fight someone's pretty motivating <laughs> to show up to training. So it's worked. I've lost 15 kilos. So happy days. Do you know who your opponent is? Nah, not yet. Find out soon. It's a it's another amateur person like me that's never fought before. So, but you're you're like quite solid. I wouldn't want it. Like if I was <laughs> if I was, if I was coming up in an MMA fight an amateur one and I came up against you, like you're, you're pretty solid and obviously playing rugby league at a like a professional level as well. You've got a bit of strength behind you. Yeah, I'm hoping that mental game plays out a little bit for me. So yeah, I'm playing off. And and it's helped like, so when we're doing the MMA training and that, I've never had a fight in my life. So I'm just concentrating on like getting used to punching someone when they're looking scared and bock, because it's not, you know, your natural instinct kicks in to stop. Like you don't want to hurt someone. So I'm just getting used to that. When they start doing all the wrestling training and things like that, I'm just like back in my learnings from rugby league and that strength from doing all that wrestling to get me over the line. I'm just like, Learn how to punch someone, everything else instinct should hopefully look after. So with the wrestling stuff, is that more, becomes more natural to you because of all the years of training in the, the rugby league? The strength of it does. Like we done, there was heaps of wrestling in league. So yeah. we done heaps of, like a lot of the stuff that we're doing there, we've done at least a version of. Yeah. And I've got some natural strength or some train strength from that. Yeah. But the technicality of jiu-jitsu is out of this world. And so I get like frustrated with it where they're like, put your leg here, twist there, do this. Or like, man, I'm just going to try and choke this guy and don't worry about punching him because that's all too hard. And, and like, we're not fighting, I'm not fighting a professional jiu-jitsu. Like they're not going to be able to do the same move back to me anyway. Yeah. Well, you'd hope not. I'm hoping not. I'm like, mind you, the other guy's taken the opposite approach where they're like, I can't punch anyone out. So I'm just going to learn jiu-jitsu and I'm going to get fucked over. Oh man, that's so funny. When is the, uh, when's the fight I'd like to come watch? Five weeks. You're cool. more than welcome to come. Yeah, send me back. through the dates. That'd, that'd be fun. <laughs> uh, and rugby league. So t- let's touch on that quickly. Where, where did you travel? Uh, I, when I was doing my stalking, I saw you playing with some of the big names. So Hazem El Masri, yeah, you played yeah, with him. Yeah, you yeah. played with Robbie Farrell. That's pretty cool. Uh, what you- I, I had a, I had a um, lot of fun. Like that Lebanon side stuff was probably the highlight of all my football career. Wow. I, I did play in some decent teams in that, but those tours where we went away with 20, 25 of your mates – and you're going from like we went Ireland, Lebanon, Italy, Scotland, Serbia, Wales, London, Russia. How many years was that? I think I did it for like six years or something where every year we went on the different – it was World Cup qualifiers and things like that. And it was just like we're still all mates now. We're still really? yeah, hanging out every every couple of months and that. So nice. really good times. The footy was all right too. <laughs> like, but it, it was honestly – at the time it's so important. Yeah. But the memories of – 
the trips with the boys and just the constant laughs. Like you're doing, you're, you're away for three weeks, training twice a day, then just hanging out and sitting in hotel rooms and doing stupid shit together. So yeah. it's a lot of fun, man. a lot of good stories. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice, nice. Well, let's touch on, before we get into the professional side of things, and I guess for the listeners today, I wanted to touch on the Queensland land tax sort of legislation and the changes that's going to bring. But before we get into that, sort of who are you personally? Personally, I don't do too much. I spend a lot of time with at work. So we're trying to build up the accounting practice, got an amazing team there, people doing amazing work every day. And we're working really hard to you know, help private business owners like yourselves just make decisions, understand their taxes and build better businesses. So yeah, spend a lot of time there with the team, taking the team out drinking and, and working. So that, that's most of my time. The other half of my time spent with my wife and kids. And if you follow her on Instagram, you'll see her sending videos of me sleeping all weekend. So <laughs> by, by the time I get to Saturday and Sunday, I'm pretty exhausted and just trying to juggle that family life on the back of, you know, how hard it is running your business, like juggling both of those things. But big family kind of life, a lot of cousins and uncles and aunties and all that in Australia. Yeah. Nice. And then work as the other layer. I don't have much time outside of that. So I'm pretty aggressive in both of those things. And other than that, I sleep a lot. <laughs> like that's all I got time for. And you got two kids, right? Two young kids, yeah. So you understand what that juggles like. Well, I've got. I don't yet. I'm three weeks away yeah, from understanding yeah, yeah. what the second's it's, like. It's heaps worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. Well, I think the first one obviously impacts at least in at at our house. Like impacted Jess a lot because her whole life gets thrown up. Like you know, she has to stop work and she's taken away from everything that she knew to look after um our our oldest. Yeah. And, you know, it impacted my life to a degree, but nowhere near as much as hers. Yeah. Whereas when the second one came along, it was like a bit of a reality check of how much she was doing and she couldn't juggle the two. So she's like, hey, I need you here to do this and grab this. I was like, fuck, this is actually really hard. Yeah, okay. Um, so there was a bit of a realisation and probably an underappreciation of how much she was doing until that second one came and you have to do a lot of the stuff with her. Yeah, and how old are your two kids? Now five and three, so I'm at the other side of that, thank God. That's what I was going to ask. When you had your second, how long was and did work have to take – did the business have to obviously did family take priority at that time or how did how did that yeah. how did you juggle that? Family always takes priority in, in the like if, if family needs anything, you always jump in. Yeah. So it's always first priority. But yeah. in reality, I jumped as much as Jess needed me to. So while Jess has it under control, all was okay. Yeah. The business didn't suffer or anything like that. It just meant that I had to be more conscious. So what I would what would happen is I wouldn't be able to go to work until I drop the kids off or drop Lola off at daycare. Yeah. Then I go to and then I have to be home at five and and help just till seven or whatever when Lola went to bed. Yeah. And then I would go back to the office. Like it just meant I'd break up my work day to be able to help her through essentially morning routine and afternoon routine. Yeah. Um, whereas before we had Val, like when we only had Lola, it was just, just manage that. It was easy for easy enough for her. Yeah. Um, but Lola was 20 months when we had Val. So nearly two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So ours will be just over two. When, like yeah, me, me yeah. will be just over two when yeah. we have our second. I think it'll be quite similar. Like I'll, I, I'm expecting I'll be dropping Mia off to daycare. Yeah. Then I'm expecting, even now I still try to get home at, at five o'clock. That's mad. I, I try my best to do that and I generally do. Darren's yeah. really supportive in that as well. That's awesome. So I'm very, very lucky in that regard. But then after the kids go to, well, after Mia goes to bed and she has a shower and stuff, jump then if I've got to jump back on, I'm happy to do yeah, so. Yeah. So I think that's how it all sort of continue yeah. on. And that, that, that's essentially what all it is, but it just – it's the, it's the, like, it's the little things. It's the, hey, can you pick this up? And can you, all the stuff that your missus would have been doing and you're just like, oh, this all just magic. It's like we've got house elves <laughs> under the stairs and all this stuff appears every day. Oh, funny. <laughs> so, 
very blessed for the both the women we have that do a lot of good work for us in the background that allow us to do what we do every day. But 100%. having those young kids, mate, make you realise how much goes <laughs> on. good it is. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And your, your team at, at Kelly Partners, you guys are probably the funnest accounting firm I've ever seen on social media. <laughs> accounting is generally sort of comes across – I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, accounting generally comes across quite boring and it's not very sexy. But then like you guys, you're always out having fun. You always, um, you've got a really good culture. And Darren and I actually spoke about it when we came into the office about how good the culture is at Kelly Partners. You can feel it. Yeah, um, you guys going out and having events and then you're going, you know, you're just doing things all the time. So yeah, yeah. so sort of kudos to you for, for being able to 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 build that. Well, did you help? I mean, what was the culture like sort of early on? It was, it's, a, it's actually really hard at the start. It's, it's a lot easier to get 20 people engage with each other and having fun and doing stuff than it is to get four. Is that I remember right? the, yeah, I remember the first couple of Melbourne Cups and that where it was like three of us and remember we're accountants, so three <laughs> three accountants sitting down at like a pub trying to have fun together. It's it's a, <laughs> like you got no one to run off. It's, yeah. You're trying to create all this energy and then, you know, if you're not getting much back, it's like, fuck, I'm just going home. This is too hard. <laughs> Whereas now we have worked really hard at building a like culture there and getting the team to love each other. Like I would say love's probably the biggest part of it. Like they literally love each other wow. and they'll, they'll kill for each other. Like it's actually amazing to see how much they care about each other. Nice. But it's been constant effort over, you know, five, six years now of building things into our culture that allow that to happen. Yeah. And then spending a lot of money on drinks and other stuff obviously helps <laughs> as well. We have the best thing about the events is I, I think about this like a state of origin kind of football team like they get them together, then they take them out drinking kind of straight away because they know that the shared stories, like when people go away and share a story together or share an event together, that creates a stronger bond. Bond, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like you have a piss up and something funny happens and you're always referencing back to that. Yeah. So we just always try and create those little memories for the team to kind of, re- and it just builds these bonds together. It's awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, like I said, we've definitely taken a leaf out of your book, so well done for what you guys have achieved there. Nah, I appreciate there. you. Look, in terms of, as I mentioned, I wanted to talk about land tax uh, and and the new changes that are coming forward and, and whatnot. So there's a few questions that a few people have asked, so we'll run through that. But I guess for the listeners that, are, that aren't that are familiar, do you want to explain uh, what land tax is and essentially how it's calculated? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give my my version of what land tax is. Cool. Okay. So for me, land tax is very much like payroll tax, which I can touch on if you need me to, but, but it's very much a, it's a take from the rich, give to the poor kind of tax. It's like as people start to create more and more wealth, the government introduced taxes to kind of even the playing field a little bit and go, hang on, you're making too much money. We're going to introduce these taxes that help us you know, fund whatever they justify the funding is for. Sure. But it's to help tax something that you know, wouldn't necessarily sit inside the tax system. Yep. So I own X million dollars of land after a certain threshold. They go, hang on, we're going to charge you a fee every year to hold that much land. Yeah. I see those kind of taxes as like they're unproductive taxes. They're not taxes based on earning income and things like that. It's a tax that you get taxed for holding an asset. But would you argue, would you argue that holding that asset is is making you earn the income, hence why you're being taxed? Well, no, no. Well, I, I, you could, but you pay tax on the income you earn. So if you rent it out and you make 10 grand profit, you pay tax on that. You're already grand. paying tax on yeah. that, right? Yeah. This is yeah. just another tax that sits on top of that. That's that very you, true. That you pay extra just because you held X million dollars of land. Yeah. It's like payroll. So payroll tax, which, which most people, I don't know whether it's relevant to everyone listening, but as a business owner, once you employ a certain number of people like once your payroll goes over i think it's 1.25 mil a year um you get charged an extra five percent employment tax really yeah <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> yeah so once you once your team kick over that number it's like yeah here's an extra tax for any dollar you pay more than that You're like why it's like because you employ 
more people. Yeah. <laughs> so why do we have to pay this tax? We should be should be giving me a discount on the tax. Like <laughs> so, there's these taxes that they've got in the environment where they're um essential. Like as I said, they're unproductive taxes. They're punishments for things that don't make sense. But they are like give take from rich, give to poor kind of mentality taxes in my head. Yeah, that's a really good way of very very good way of putting it. I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. Um, Could be wrong, but that's just no, my, it's, it it's is, how I see it. It is a very good way of putting it. And, and Sam Sam Panetta and I jumped on a podcast uh, a few months ago. We're talking about sort of the capitalism society or yeah. some socialism or whatever it yeah. might be. Yeah. And we we're sort of saying how Shelley does have that perfect balance between keeping people motivated to do the best they possibly can, hundred percent, but then also not helping letting it get that, out of check. Not, yeah, not letting it get out of check and helping those those that need it. Yeah. Now everyone's line is slightly different, but I think we're I think we are in the right direction. Completely agree. Uh, you're on the same page. Yeah, I, I mean, Sam had this. Uh, Sam loves capitalism, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, we had a similar debate where I, I think if you look at around the world and other countries and that, like Australia has a very good middle class. Yeah. We don't have much poverty or we don't have a whole bunch of ultra rich. I'm mean, sure there's some, but we're not invited to their parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that, that's right. And I guess so in terms of the land tax, it has been – calculated state by state and there is a threshold state by state assuming you're buying in an individual name um yep. do you want to sort of touch yep. on touch on how that works state by state yep. and and maybe we'll I'll talk on how on. it was historically and then we'll talk about the new one yeah, yeah perfect so historically it's kind of exactly what you're saying each state manage land tax separately so right now you do a tax return like your end of year tax return as an individual i'm just again talking as a general idea yep. you'll you'll when you do your tax return you put all your income in your tax return no matter where you earned it for the whole country yeah. and you pay tax at a federal level on whatever profit you make. When you do land tax or when you start thinking about land tax, you're essentially paying tax per state. So New South yeah. Wales have a land tax threshold and their own land tax rates. You go and say, well, they, they actually tell you this anyway, like they dictate it, yeah. but they come and say, hey, this is how much land you hold. We're going to tax you this much in New South Wales. Yeah. Then Queensland do a similar thing and go, this is how much land you hold in Queensland. We're going to tax you this much in Queensland. Yeah and so on and so forth for all the states and territories, I think, except Northern Territory. I don't think they have land tax. Okay. But, um, yeah, but every, basically each state's looking at you separately. Yeah. The change that's happening now is essentially we're starting, or Queensland have kicked it off first, whether there's more to follow or not we can debate, but, yeah. but Queensland now have said, hang on a second, we're not just going to look at your Queensland property. We want to look at all your property in Australia and then Australia and then apply land tax across all of it. Yeah, which means essentially Queensland are getting a bigger share of the land tax pie or more or, or more land tax into their state. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Cool. And and can we touch on well what the rules are that Queensland's brought in yeah. and how that sort of is potentially going to impact investors? I'll, I'll kind of talk it to it in numbers. Yeah. So I'll great. say in the old rules, like let's just say you had a million dollars of land in Queensland and two million dollars of land in New South Wales. Yep. So you got three million dollars of land that's going to go under land tax. Yep. In the old rules, Queensland would turn around and go, all right, you've got a million dollars of land. It's the first $600,000 of it's tax-free. So you've got $400,000 left that we're going to charge you on. Yep. The rates change, but just assume it's 1.5% to make the maths easy. Yep. And say 400 grand times 1.5%, that's how much land tax you pay, which let me just, because I'm not a genius in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should be. Six grand. I should have been able to do that. Yep. So your land tax bill is six grand. So cool. they come back and go, Million dollars land in Queensland, first $600,000 of that's tax-free. There's yep. $400,000 left that you're going to pay tax on. Yep. You're going to get a six grand land tax bill on that 400000 which is 400,000 times 1.5%, which will be roughly what the land tax 
rate is. Yep. Um, and they, so they ignore your New South Wales portion previously. Yeah. Pre the, pre the change of rules, it's just what do you own in Queensland? Yep. And then New South Wales will go apply a similar thing in New South Wales where yep. they go, this is how much you hold in New South Wales, take away the New South Wales threshold, yep. apply the New South Wales rate, pay the tax there. Yep. And you're essentially paying tax in two states on your separate portion that you, that you own in each state separately, completely independent. Yep. Yeah, makes Great. sense. It's pretty, it's simple. No one really talks about it because for 99% of people, I'll say 90% just to not alienate <laughs> everyone, but 90% of people, they're not hitting that threshold in each state. So they might yeah. pay land tax in New South Wales and probably more people pay it in New South Wales than Queensland just because the land value has gone up pretty significantly. Yep. Whereas in Queensland, you would have to have multiple properties to get to that $600,000 land value threshold. So to kind of just clarify that, it's not the price that you paid for the property, the government, the state government issues a valuation each year of what your land's worth. Yeah. And it's generally significantly lower than the value that you paid for the property. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, so they're the old rules. That's that's just essentially each state treats you separately, applies their threshold, charges their rate. Pretty black and white. Where it's um where it's changing with Queensland, so basically what they would do now is they'd go, all right, you own the one million dollars in Queensland, you own two million dollars in New South Wales. Yeah. You have a total of three million dollars of land. They take that whole $3 million to Queensland. They then take away the $600,000 threshold. So just doing this on a calculator while I say it to you, <laughs> they then take away the $600,000 threshold. So you're left with $2.4 million of land that's taxable to Queensland. Yep. Again, I'm just going to use a, an average rate for now, but they'll apply the 1.5 or 1.6% to the $2.4 million that they're going to tax in Queensland. And that 1.5, 1.6% is varied depending on the person's salary, what tax bracket they're going to be in, correct? Not, not the salary in their tax bracket. It's varied based on the total value of land they hold. Right, so, okay. So as you hold more and more land, that rate That's gets right. higher and higher. Yep. So the first 600 grand is free, yep. the next 500 grand is taxed at 1%, then 1.65, yep. et cetera. Sure. So the rate will change, but for the purpose of this, just we yep. use 1.5% to Perfect. make the maths easy. Yep. So $3 million of land we have in Australia, they take away the $600,000 yep. of land tax-free. Then on the 2.4, we'll charge it by 1.5%. The land tax bill will be 36 grand. It's pretty different, <laughs> but that's not the end of it. So that's the total. If, if they were going to tax you on all your land, that would be your total bill, 36 grand versus, I think, six when we done it before. Yep. But then they take that 36 grand and then you apportion it based on how much of that land tax relates to your Queensland land. So in the scenario where we said there's 1 million in Queensland and 2 million in New South Wales, yep. essentially one third of your land is in Queensland. Correct. So I'd divide that by three and say my land tax bill is 12 grand. Okay. So at a really high level, my land tax went from six grand to 12 grand yep. using these new rules where Queensland are looking at my total land, not just my Queensland land. Yeah. Okay. Pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. I, I, we, we had looked into this previously, not in too much detail, and, and, and we, we had thought it was going to be that initial number 36. initially. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. like, this is, this is massive. People are going to start buyers <laughs> selling their properties and there's going to be, you know, it's, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. It's, going to, it's going to cause a whole shit fight. But yeah. obviously- Six when is more, into, when you've got that comparison point, six is more palatable than 36. 100%, 100% yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so we totally get that now. And I guess that's why I wanted you on because obviously yeah. we, could, we, couldn't, we couldn't wrap our head around it. So, nah, so that. that it will still have an impact. Like it's still a number. And I think, I think what's also kind of, I haven't seen how it's going to play out yet because it doesn't kick in until next year. Yeah. But what will also be interesting is I, I still have to then go to New South Wales and pay my New South Wales land tax on the other two mil over here that I've got in New South Wales. And yeah. I don't think I'm going to get a discount for anything I've paid extra in Queensland. <laughs> no. I'm just going to get taxed like normal in New South Wales. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how New South Wales then treat 
their their portion of the land? Do I yeah. just take the two mil and apply it as per normal and I'm hit with extra tax here too? Or what's going to happen there? Yeah. But yeah, so it will it will have an impact. I think like in all honesty, and I said this to you before, like I don't think it's enough that people will sell their properties yep. over because, you know, the cost of selling the property, the cost of reinvesting that money could be like six grand a year might not be worth it. It might be for some people. Yeah. Don't know. But yeah, it will still impact their profitability each year. Like I might if I'm if I'm renting out my property and all of a sudden it's six grand more expensive every year to rent out these properties, yeah. you are gonna have to make a decision on like, all right, well, what do I do here? Do I put my rent up? Or do I sell it or what do I do? So Yeah, well, they tried to, well, they did abolish negative gearing, I think, in the 1980s. And when they did that, a lot of investors obviously sold their properties. And, and it's this thing about so many people don't think about the unintended consequences caused from the rules from yeah. whatever they want to bring in like this it's, it's just we talk about it a lot in business but it's it's related to everything right mm-hmm. like if you don't think about the unintended consequences in this instance i don't i tend to agree with you with the number being nothing dramatic like overly dramatic for some people yeah. it might be but for majority of people if you've got uh if you've got that much property an extra six thousand dollars in tax is not you're not going to lose you. yeah you're not going to lose the property over 100 percent. so i tend to sort of agree with you in that regards but there might be some people that will. And if there are a percentage of investors that sell their properties, then the next question is, will rents go up because there's going to be a shortage of rentals in the market? Yeah. It's it's dangerous, in my opinion, to to assume if investors leave the market, owner-occupiers will buy. buy I agree I th- completely. I think that's very risky because a lot of owner-occupiers don't have the deposit. They can't save the money. They if might they, not want to. If they could buy it often, they would have bought it already. Like Yeah. This isn't. It's not. It's not like there's a lack of property to buy and you couldn't find one. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So I think it is risky in that regards if investors do leave the market because we've already got a rental crisis yeah. around the country, especially in Queensland. So it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. But like I said, well, and like like you said, the cost to sell your property and then the capital gains tax you're going to be paying and the cost to buy another investment, assuming you want to invest, is going to far outweigh the tax oh, you're going you to have to think, pay. Yeah, you would think so. You think it's the tipping points too. Like, it, yeah, it'd have to be a lot more, like the 36 number at the start. <laughs> Agree, you would have probably gone, fuck, I'm not paying 36 grand a year to, yeah. to hold these properties. <laughs> I get that completely. Yeah, and, and I agree with what you're saying about unintended consequences. I think it's common where <laughs> very short-sightedly go and say, we're going to increase this or decrease this. And not this election, but the election prior to this one where Labor government came out saying we're going to look at it. They actually talked about getting rid of 50% CGT discount and franking credit. They took tax to the election and tax is obviously something that people care deeply about. They're like, oh yeah, like if you, if you tell anyone they're going to pay 1% more tax, they generally get pretty upset. So, yeah. so I think it is risky and it is scary when people start talking about having to pay an additional tax on something. 100%. And I guess that le- that brings me to the next question. Do you think that the other states will follow suit my gut feel is like if i'm if i'm sitting here in new south wales and in 24 months time and i'm seeing how much queensland's revenue from land tax has gone up on their internal government reports i've been sitting here going hang on a second here's a quick win to fill our budget deficit and it's already been justified up in queensland and the world didn't fall over why wouldn't i introduce it i'm sure again there's consequences to think about so not not too short-sighted to that but yeah i expect that at some point they would and I'm as a kind of precursor to that is payroll tax is treated exactly like this. So I mentioned payroll tax at the start yep. where your labor goes over 1.25, you start paying payroll tax. Yep. If you've got employees in different states, your, your payroll tax threshold across the different states gets apportioned based on where they are employed. Right. Um, so 
they already have an a, essentially a basis for how they do that in payroll tax that they could easily roll into land tax in a second. Yeah, okay. So it's I don't see it as, you know, unlikely. I see it as probably a 50-50 chance that it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, I my initial thoughts were that the unintended consequences with this will be a lots of investors will sell their properties and 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 that's going to take up rents and they might lose money in stamp duty because yeah. owner occupiers won't, might not be able to afford it. Able to sell. That was my initial thoughts with all this because I I had misunderstood the calc. the the calculation of it, but now that I sort of understand the implications of it, I, I don't think I do I do agree with you in a sense that the other count, the other governments um, may follow suit as well. Yeah, um, but time will tell. Time will tell, mate. And um, sure, people will love getting another tax everywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's right. And what are your what are your thoughts? Are there any ways that if someone wanted to minimize this tax? Are there ways around this legally that you know of in terms of being able to do that, such as buying in a trust or, or yep. so forth? Can I can I answer that in two ways? Of course. So, so first part of that is don't spend too much time trying to get let tax get in the way of investment decisions. Great. Um, often, often, and we do it with like people all the time where they come in like I want to minimize tax, I want to minimize tax, and we do a tax return, and then six minutes later, like I need a loan to get a property, like far around. <laughs> so. Be careful to make decisions based on tax. Like, yeah, cool. We should always talk about how do we minimize it, but your your first conversation should be where am I going to get the best return on the investment? And obviously that's why they speak to you guys. So yeah. <laughs> props here because you're doing a good job of that. <laughs> Thank you, mate. So that's that first part of it. But then when we get to that convo of like, all right, cool, how do I, if I am going to buy in Queensland, we've already identified the property. We know that's where we're going because it's the best in, investment decision for us. Yeah. Then how do I minimize the tax? Yeah, you can, you can put them into trusts. So from what I understand, and again, the rules haven't played out yet in practice because it doesn't kick in until next year. But yep. what I understand is each company has its own consideration for land tax in Queensland. So if you bought, as an individual, if you own land in two states, yep, you're going to get taxed in the way we just explained. Yep. But then if in Queensland you go buy your land in a company, that's essentially treated as a separate taxpayer for land tax. Yep. And they look at that taxpayer and go, all right, well, that taxpayer can get the threshold again, essentially. Yeah. The couple of things, one is the threshold inside a company is only 300 grand or a trust is only 300 grand, not 600 grand. Yeah. So you get less of a threshold. Two, your compliance costs of maintaining and running a company are obviously more than if you just had to put that property in your return. So it's not zero and six grand or whatever the land tax is. It might cost you a couple of grand to run your company every year. Yeah. Okay. And last part is, again, just comparing the payroll tax. With payroll tax, they have grouping positions, provisions. So when people tried to get around the thresholds by going, all right, well, I'll employ 600 grand of employees in this entity and 600 grand of employees in that entity to get around the payroll tax, they came out and brought out grouping provisions where they said, well, where there's common directors or common control, they're just going to group it all together and treat it as one taxpayer. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's not how the land tax, as I understand it, is written today. Yeah. But if everyone in Queensland went and said, oh, well, we're just going to set up 50 companies and buy all our properties. I, I'd expect that at some point they go, hang on, yeah. we're just going to group all that the same way we treat payroll tax. Interesting. They've, so yeah, obviously, like if someone has thought about this as to how to legally pay less tax, the, they've also thought about how to, make, how to make yeah, sure that it can't happen. Yeah, so. there's, there's, yeah, there's all my Lebanese cousins every day sitting there <laughs> trying to work out how to get past the ATO. And there's the ATO sitting there every day working out how to stop them. <laughs> That's the reality of the world. <laughs> oh, so funny, mate. Uh, you made a really good point just before in terms of don't making, don't make investment decisions based off tax implications. And we, we talk to clients almost every day who are trying to make an investment decision based on minimizing their tax. And we, we tell them we 
like the, what we pretty much tell them is if they have enough income to purchase enough properties that they need to retire, then let's have a think about how you can legally minimize tax through depreciation or whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah. If your income is not allowing you to buy the amount of assets that you need to retire, the last thing you should be thinking about is minimizing your tax. Isn't it crazy? Um, eh? it's, yeah, we, we've, we've spoken to like we've spoken to client, uh, clients or, or, or clients who have been on you know three four hundred thousand dollar household income and they're struggling to get like a three hundred thousand dollar loan because they've Maybe managed to, everything. Yeah, exactly, and managed to min- legally minimize their tax so much. So I think that's uh, a really really important decision. I that, think um like so, I think they're. So they'd probably be generating a lot of good capital growth and they'd be, their net worth would be going really well. Like when you speak about these people that have high incomes and they're really highly negatively geared, they've probably had a good run from a capital perspective, but you can't live off your capital growth. Yeah. So there's, there is a time and a place and it's like, yep, yeah, cool, we made this decision and we understand that that property there is negatively geared and we're going to hold out for that capital gain one day. Yeah. But you can't be at the expense of cash flow. We still need cash flow to be able to fund future investments, lifestyle, everything else you want to do in life. Yeah. My my gut feel is negatively gearing as a sales concept for accountants got brought in by accountants firstly because it makes them look good when they go and say, Hey, pat myself on the back, I got you a good tax return. Yeah. My accountant's the best. You got it's like and, and then the other party to that was the banks who said, Hey, you should negatively gear your property because it means that you're gonna um pay less tax. But they don't tell you that you're paying a dollar in interest to the bank to save 30 cents in tax from ATO. So the bank's in there making 70 cents or so essentially making a dollar for you to save 30 cents and telling you go, go negatively gear this because it's, yeah. you know, it's good for you, but really it's really good for them. hundred percent. I totally, I've used the exact same example to, to clients. I've said, well, if you're negatively gearing, you're losing a dollar to make 30 cents and it's not the capital growth at a later stage in life that's going to help you retire. Mm. Sure, you could sell your assets, but yeah. you're paying capital gains tax and all yeah. the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. It's passive income, which is going to allow you to step away from work and create that freedom and so forth. Now, if someone's 30 years old and has got their whole career ahead of them, they don't need passive income. Yeah. You know, they're going to be working hard and work harder on, yeah. your, on, your, on your own job, business, whatever, whatever yeah, it yeah, might yeah, be. Yeah. But when you're getting to that sort of later stage in life, it's, it's that passive income that's going to help you, not that capital growth. Yep. Cash flow is everything, man. Cash is king, queen. <laughs> Everyone else in between. Um, no, I completely agree. And I think um, I like the biggest, the, where that story, like where the bank thing cemented for myself was like, I was already an accountant when I bought my first property. Like I'd been doing it for six years and I went to the bank to get my loan finished. And the teller at the bank was sitting there for like 50 minutes trying to convince me to negatively gear the property. I'm no like, way, really? She's like, oh, it's the property. I'm like, no, it's positive. The first property I ever bought was positively geared. It was amazing. Nice. It had a granny flood on it. It was perfect. Nice. And she's sitting there like, no, you shouldn't buy this. It's a stupid the investment. The teller at the bank. The teller at the bank. She's like, it's stupid. You need to be negatively geared. I'm like, it's all right. I'm fine. She's like, I think you should call your accountant. I'm like, I'm an accountant. It's fine. She's like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Could I just buy this property, please? <laughs> no, that's so <laughs> it funny. It was so is funny. That, is that legit? hundred percent legit. I promise, like hand on heart, that happened. Wow. And I'm just and like, it was that was the clicking point. It's like, fuck, it's the bank's idea. This negatively geared. Like, you're wondering where it came from. Yeah, it's just the bank. But we all grow up playing Monopoly. We should be smart enough to know you. You know, buy properties, put hotels on them, collect rent. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. It's the cash that lets you go around cash a few more times the board, <laughs> yeah. mate. I hundred percent agree with that. And you sort of t- you touched on just earlier that that the teller was telling you go speak to your accountant. And it's because it's it's funny you say that because a lot of the time our clients say, hey, I just want to go speak to my accountant, see how this property is going to impact my the amount of tax I pay. Yeah. And I got to be careful that we don't cross the line of financial advice or. Obviously, we're not qualified to give financial advice or any tax advice, yeah. but the only thing we sort of say is, look, 
most accountants, their job is to, how they see their job is to help you pay as least tax as possible. You just need to sort of see if that's what's actually going to help you retire or if it's for more assets, that's, what, that's what's going to yeah. help you retire. It's awesome. It's really um, like it's honestly so funny because that's exactly what happens. It's like accountant goes minimise tax, minimise tax, but it's not the bigger picture. picture. And often they don't care about the bigger picture. It's just like depending on the accountant and the relationship, but often it's churn and burn tax return. Yeah. A lot of the practices they build up. So they're not sitting there going, what are your goals? But whereas that's your conversation, like what are your goals? What are we here to help you achieve? Yeah. Their conversation is like, how quick can I turn this tax return out, give you a refund that you tell your friends about yeah. and move on to the next person? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think, I guess that's why we, we love working with you guys at Kelly Partners as well, because you, you get, and we actually come to you for, for business advice, right? So yeah. we actually come to you to, for you to help us grow our business so we can make more money and pay more tax. Love that. So it's it's completely different to most of the other accountants that that we know of and that we that we hear of so yeah you guys have done a really good job there as well i appreciate you mate and we're not sitting here saying hey let's pay as much tax as possible but at the same time we don't let tax get in the way of all right what are the goals and where what's the next step of you know the business progress or the personal progress and if there's a year where we don't need to do something and we can minimize tax in whatever way is possible of course we're going to do that but not at the expense of everything else that's going on exactly that's right Mate, I think for today we've covered off all the rules that, uh, sorry, all the, I guess, uh, questions that, that everyone had, had come to us with in terms of the land tax and how, it, how it's covered. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? No, I think um, like there, there, there's still going to be questions. Like it's really high level and I was using made up numbers as a kind of example. But as questions come through, just send them through to us. I'm happy to help whoever needs help. But I would say it's probably not as scary as people think. Don't get over, don't get over the top well, overwhelmed with it. Yeah. And, and yeah, like focus on buying more assets, generating more cash flow, the, the tax is a tax. It's not going to go away. It's going to probably come up in more states. So yeah. you can't sell in Queensland, buy in New South Wales if they bring it in too. So Yeah, no, 100%. And for you guys, um, I guess for those listening, you guys specialise predominantly for business owners. Is that right? Yeah, predominantly we're working with business owners. We do like an individual here or there will help out because it makes sense to, to you know, help them get on the right track. Yeah. But for the most part, we're helping business owners understand their business better, obviously manage their tax where it makes sense, but really point of the business is to help you achieve your personal goals. So how do we build that business up, get out enough of the profits and go use that money to invest or do whatever you want to do with it to get that cash flow to retire? Yeah. Okay, nice. And if the listeners who are business owners and they do want to get in touch, where can they find you? Or <laughs> the company? Everywhere. <laughs> so Kelly Partners Northern Beaches, email address I'll get Bobby to share in the comments or yep. in the story or wherever he puts it. Yeah. But yeah, Kelly Partners Northern Beaches. So, But we go everywhere. So don't sit here going, oh, they're on the Northern Beaches. They can't speak to me. I've got clients in Perth, Queensland, Melbourne, everywhere in between. So yeah, just happy to help whoever needs help and get their stuff sorted. Perfect, mate. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll tag you and, uh, and the company in the, uh, in the post when we, when we share them up. And thanks a lot for coming on. I think we added a ton of value. <laughs> Appreciate you, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast. The advice given on this podcast is of a general nature only, and you should make your own decisions before taking any financial risks. If you would like to stay in touch with the show, join the Lazy Equity Facebook group or find the Investors Agency on Instagram and Facebook.